it's day five since Ian ripped through Cape Coral and all parts of Southwest Florida. I went uh, 200 miles. I had to escort my son who was fortunate enough to run into someone who loaned him, a complete stranger, loaned him his car, his son's car, so that my son could take a generator from a Lowe's one county away that was selling them. Uh, and so we had to promise to bring the car back and that's how we ended up driving all around Lee County and Cape Coral and then up to Charlotte County, which is also on the West Coast, which includes Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, Northport, Venice, is uh, southern Sarasota County, and then finally Osprey. And we also drove through a good portion of Inglewood, which is a peninsula unto itself. And just devastation as far as you could see everywhere. A couple of times you'd run in some rivers that were sort of cresting, maybe two, three feet of water. But just the thing, that I think the visual is imagine uh, an entire town ripped apart by, you know, uh, you know, a mighty tornado and then multiply that by a hundred and you begin to recognize the devastation that occurred over a, f a 15 hour period because it, it, literally the winds started to blow. The winds ripped apart everything. Uh, there were gale force winds and the, the, the winds were blowing so fiercely for such a sustained period, over a hundred mile an hour winds. I'd never thought that I would ever see my placid, quiet, peaceful canal turned into a raging ocean. So it's Sunday. We've been blessed in Southwest Florida because we've had three days of, uh, of just beautiful weather, low 80s, low humidity, nights in the upper 60s, which for Florida is, is considered great. Much of the power is still out. Cape Coral, which is a 200,000 population center west of Fort Myers, is 95% without power. Yesterday was supposedly the day for assessment when a lot of the utility crews are out assessing, uh, trying to put poles back up, taking hot wires off the, the road or just taking wires. Uh, in the distance, I can see a Huey double blade helicopter transporting I'm assuming people from either Sanibel or Pine Island both islands have been cut off severed from the coast because of in Sanibel a causeway gave way uh, enough to shut it down there's no way to pass and in Pine Island which is connected by a, a smaller bridge and wind your way through a small town called Matlache which is was a charming little town of bungalows and seafood restaurants completely gone and this Huey is off in the distance due west there are 10,000 people that live on Sanibel Island it's one of the richest communities probably in the country it's right up there with Martha's Vineyard in terms of beauty and exclusivity anyway so a lot of traffic today much more traffic today than yesterday so that tells me that 
people are trying to get prepared to go back to work and trying to get supplies. We finally got our generator hooked up, which saved us a little bit. It gave us the ability to charge our phones. I tell you the most, there's so many things that I've learned from this hurricane. Uh, the list uh, just goes on and on. Uh, the number one thing that I've learned is that man cannot live without fossil fuels. There is just no way, and I don't mean to make any kind of political statement, but when, when the lights go out and there's no water and there's no power, you're not thinking about anything but energy. You're thinking you cannot function without energy. And that energy is produced by cheap, abundant fuel. And if you don't have cheap, abundant fuel, I mean, my son, just to give you an example, he has a Tesla and it's been parked in our garage. You know, he doesn't want to use it because there aren't any power stations. We don't have power in our own home. I mean, he could now slow charge it with a with a generator, but where's the irony of that? Heading home, lots of cars, lines everywhere. Monday morning, 11 o'clock, day six, cars in every direction. Just one, one characteristic of many of the aftermath of Ian. Everybody's trying to get somewhere. Most people probably trying to get food or energy. A lot of utility trucks starting to see some activity there. This is just one example in the one of the harder hit areas of Cape Coral, which reflects, I think, the general progress of the entirety of Southwest Florida. Uh, just so many, so many, like I say, miracles wrapped in tragedy. Little sprouting miracles. They just opened a gas station near our home, so that's a good sign. I could practically walk now if I needed to to get some food if they're open. One thing that I mentioned in one of the earlier reports, I don't ever feel like I'm in, under martial law. I actually do feel like law enforcement is there uh, to protect us from people who would try to take advantage. You know, looters, people looking for generators they can steal, homes they can rob. So I feel protected, but that it doesn't cross that line where I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a prisoner in a prison. Anyway, that's my thoughts for the moment as we continue day six. There's no mayhem. I mean, even though people are obviously anxious and the, oh, many of the shelves are bare, still they're letting people in. There are not long lines. There are now, there are starting to be lines formed, but it's relatively early in the morning. But the people in the store, I mean, hats off to this supermarket chain. Just an incredible group of people. No mayhem. And, and, and that kind of reminded me of something. I, there's a list. There's a long list of, of things that I'll remember about this hurricane. And on top of that list is the fact that even though they've had curfew and even though things are closed and things... There's lots of law enforcement out. During this whole five-day period, I never once felt like we were under any kind of martial law or that that people were being pulled over, uh, fights erupting. I mean, there are long lines. There are, even at night or even in the morning when you go out, you're not really supposed to drive out, but nobody's pulling you over. 
you know, there's just not that same sense of, of, of what you might think of in a country that's in lockdown, like China, you know, where they have law enforcement there arresting people. I have a few minutes, it's six days into this thing, and frustration grows. Took my dog for a walk this morning, met with some other neighbors. There are down power lines throughout the city of Cape Coral, and we have a local utility company that I've mentioned, LCEC. And they have been criticized by the state governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, as refusing to accept assistance from out-of-state utility workers, linemen, power grid engineers, things like that. We don't know if they've changed their tune, but what we do know is that it's Monday morning and still 80 to 90 percent of Cape Coral is without power. The debris is stacking up along the roadways. Trash is accumulating. Uh, Thankfully, we have a little bit of water pressure, but I don't think that's necessarily uh, for everyone just in our neighborhood. So we have that small blessing. Uh, It's getting, uh, I don't know if it's getting easier to find fuel, but it seems like more gas stations are opening up as more power gets restored. But it's the, the challenge here remains the same. The constant hunt for energy. Um, Energy is, if there's any lesson to be learned here, is that you can't live without basic abundant energy. Uh, It slows you down. People will spend a quarter of a tank looking for, uh, to fill up their tanks. They'll, They'll spend energy to find more energy. Because they know that if they don't have energy, they can't cook, they can't eat, they can't shower, they can't brush their teeth. Uh, Water becomes an issue. Uh, It's just unbelievable. And you've got these nimrods over in Europe that think that they're going to find sustainable energy in renewables. Uh, Which is... Try living in Cape Coral on that philosophy. You, You won't get there. You won't survive. Um, Thankfully, my daughter was able to bring me some energy, uh, propane tank and fuel, but the roads are messed up. So you have to uh, go two miles out of your way to get to where you need to be, which again is wasting energy. Uh, You know, and so it's like living in the Wild West. And sadly, Cape Coral's mayor, uh, no council person I've heard uh, has gone, gone, gone on the radio uh, nobody from the local cable company has gone on the radio. No one from the local carriers, the cell phone carriers, Verizon, AT&T, uh, Sprint. None of these people seem to have, have, have PR. I think when all this is over, I'm going to go and apply for a job as a public relations press uh, media uh, supervisor because they apparently don't have one. None of these people are interested at all in telling us, when are we going to have our service? What is causing us? You see an AT&T and an Xfinity and Verizon's every other block. They're almost as common as 7-Elevens and Wawa's and racetracks. And yet these very people, some of the most lucrative communication companies, I mean, they own everything. Doesn't Verizon essentially own everything? Uh, 
AT&T, how long have they been around? You know, it's just unbelievable that these mega companies, we understand that you are in the same boat as we are as having no power, but you have the means, you have the resources, you have an entire network that you constantly brag about that provides extensive coverage. We see the maps. But when it comes to this kind of situation, you have to be prepared. You have to have diesel generators running your mobile cell sites. You have to get on the air on their local radio and inform the customers when they can expect cell service. Why is it so spotty? People who, since Corona, have had to learn to work from home are dependent on Internet. We understand that the Internet might be spotty or even non-existent, but tell us. Tell us what's going on. Communicate with us. You're in the communications business. Communicate with people. Tell us what we need to know so that we don't get angry and do podcasts telling the world how ridiculously inefficient you've been during the times when we needed you most. Some of the thoughts that go through the mind of a father of three, a husband, a homeowner just trying to get through the day during one of the nation's worst catastrophes. Uh, coming back at you, Cape Coral, Sunday afternoon, October 2nd. Had great success, as I mentioned earlier, with Publix getting enough food for three or four days. Uh, now out looking for fuel uh, because we are still on our generator and it looks like we're going to be at least for the next 24 hours so I have about nine hours about 15 hours of fuel now for the generator the goal is to keep the food fresh and uh, because we anticipate that with each passing day more and more gas stations will be opening up as power is being restored this will cut down on all the two and three hour lines take sometimes I just saw a guy uh, who said he spent nine hours I think he was exaggerating but needless to say it takes sometimes three hours because of the limited availability of gas tanks gas uh, stations Uh, the good news is is that there's no trouble with fuel it's just the power now it is amazing that driving around Cape Coral, our local utility company, which is LCEC, they don't have a real large presence, and they've done a very, very bad job at communicating their progress. Uh, It's it's, uh, just for a utility company, and and in monitoring the radio as much as I have, I've seen very little. When I have jumped online, I've seen very little. FPL, meanwhile, I hear their representatives talking about what they're doing, giving forecasts. Uh, I, admit, I had heard somebody mention that if you called LCEC, you would get a recording telling you to get your updates from Facebook, their Facebook page. This is a major utility company, and they're telling people who don't have any power or electricity and, and no internet that if they want to know what the latest news is from the utility company, go to a Facebook page. Uh, so I would expect that the 
whoever the current CEO is will probably have to resign. And if not, I'll demand it. No communication. We're talking almost a quarter of a million people for this utility company. No communication, no trucks. Listen, we all have our hands full, but we're talking about just communicating with people, letting them know what is the timeline. Uh, I even heard from the governor yesterday during a press conference that LCEC was refusing assistance from outside companies, refusing. What on earth would, would you know, make them want to do that? No thanks, we don't need the help. So that's where we're at. Still having trouble, but I did find a gas station. It <coughs> uh, looks like uh, it's a mobile on Pine Island and Burnt Store Road. And uh, it looks to be about six or seven stations. Some people are already trying to cut a line. You know what's interesting is I don't see any McDonald's open. So this particular line that I'm looking at now stretches back about maybe 30 cars. So at 10 minutes a pop, you're looking at about 300, could be eight hours. These people could be in line eight hours. Because see what happens is, and this is something else I've learned from, from Ian, uh, and I didn't know this because we've never had this extensive period before of no energy. The the uh, people that pull up, not only do they want to gas their cars, but they also want to fill up their fuel tanks, their portables for their generators. See, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Unless you have cheap, abundant, plentiful energy, society really can't function can't cook your food, you can't keep your food cold, uh, you don't have running water, you don't have clean water, so you're opening yourself up, not driving by a power station, and it looks like it's in pretty good shape, all things considered, uh, the, the poles are up around it, it looks like it's got a clean, robust line uh, into the substation, so... That could be what's powering this part of Cape Coral. There's not much, about 4,500 people out of 200,000. So what's that, about 2%, maybe slightly more, 2.5%. So there, there we have it, uh, trying to drive around, looking for a way to get fuel for my generator. I can always get up early in the morning tomorrow and, and go stake out a gas station if I have to. Uh, so that's where we're at. Until next time, checking out. President Biden is at this moment uh, getting off the airplane, assuming it's RSW, uh, his uh, Air Force One, and he's going to sweep the area, take a good look at the impact. Uh, all presidents do this. It's part of their job. They are the president of the United States, and we are part of the United States. But one can't help but to wonder with the animosity between President Biden and Ron DeSantis, the governor, if that conflict uh, is going to prevent them from working in a cooperative spirit. Now, they have already addressed it publicly. They're not going to let politics get in the way. 
but one can't help but to wonder because let's face it, the one thing we know about politicians is every opportunity, they look at it from one perspective. How can I use this to get me more votes? So it might be a good thing. He may promise some things to us uh, that will help us rebuild our state. I know earlier in the week, I think it was perhaps even last Friday, uh, four days into the storm, all I heard him say, and all I heard it said in the news was that the White House was willing to offer low interest loans uh, as a way of helping people who are recovering. And I thought, well, we just sent $327 billion over to Ukraine. Are those also low interest loans? So we're now day uh, eight into Hurricane Ian, reporting from Sarasota, our Sarasota base where we'll be. Uh, we maximized our presence in Cape Coral. We did as much as we could do. Our ho home is clean, the debris picked up, trash has been hauled away. But we're in day eight of Hurricane Ian, the aftermath. 